0: Welcome into to 2 for one Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for one Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. Mike and I are going to look at the official Maxwell Award list, the official Bednarik Award list of the 2020 college football season. An interesting one for sure. You're looking at how many games these guys have played. A lot of interesting names on these lists. We're also going to talk about the Jets tank job, Greg Williams, and the play call that ultimately seals his fate in New York. We're going to talk a little Jalen Hurts, maybe Justin Herbert coming off a bad game against Bill Belichick, and then into our normal review podcasts are rolling rooks top rookie performances top prospect performances might even slip in a fake id segment some fun stuff towards the back end of the podcast let's go ahead and get it Mike Renner in the flesh here in the studio. Cincinnati studios, coming off a pretty solid weekend. I was up big in betting this past week. Oh yeah, I know. And on the two 4 one drafts Wednesday episode, we do our green line bets in the NFL and NCAA. I told you to hammer our Shanta clears plus ten plus eleven. They end up winning that game outright. I said Ohio State minus twenty three and a half. COVID comes out, that gets down to minus twenty two. They still cover the number at Michigan State. And I said, you want to sweat. Let's sweat Rex Culpepper and the Syracuse Orange against Notre Dame, plus 33 and a half. They cover that number up big, parlayed all three. You just love to see it. You make money listening to the Wednesday episode of Two Foreign Drafts. I'm sorry, is, do you have a rebuttal? Do you? No,
1: that, that, was, that, was, that was your week. You were hot this week.
0: It was hot this week. It was also a good weekend. Had some fun. Talked to your girlfriend a bit. Got to meet Hannah yet oh, again. Yeah. And she, ta- she listens to the podcast. And she says we are painting sometimes, her sometimes in a negative light. She says she thinks she sounds controlling, rude. I didn't mean she's to none say of any things, of those things. She's she's a very nice person, means well. We're working together to get a Christmas gift. Uh, she's she's a good person. I'm going to say that right now. She's a good person. i are scoring a
1: lot of brownie points here.
0: She's tr- trash at drinking games, though. Oh, okay. that was an absolute atrocity. No, you were like helping her win and Beard die. It, it, it was a hard look for you. I mean, I was being a good boyfriend. That's one does. The other thing, I, was, I have to bring this up on the podcast, for those who think Mike Renner is this bravado, just absolute I stud, am. former bachelorette contestant, tw- at 11.30 at night on a Tuesday, you're building gingerbread houses with your girlfriend. That That's something that we just can't tip okay. into
1: those waters. What it was a gingerbread stadium. How great she is. She got me a stadium to build, a football stadium to build instead of a, ho- a gingerbread house because she knows I love football. But if we're going to go there with you and being girlfriend guy, when you had a girlfriend back in the day, which you all of a sudden what was this a year and a half ago show up to the pff christmas party with just a girl and we, like you never told anyone That's you true. had a girlfriend and we're like who is this it's not it was she's a- like i'm austin's girlfriend i'm like what the fuck's going on here and then i didn't see you for the next year because you turned into the biggest girlfriend guy of all time i was like hey you want to go do something no i got a pottery class i'm gonna take professional photos pottery class with my girlfriend like there's like a <laughs> farmer's market that we got to go to sorry
0: I think, I guess the grass is always greener. And then now that I'm on this side, yeah. I, I'm, I'm doubting you. I'm making works. fun of the gingerbread houses, et cetera. Yeah. It's fair. The grass is always greener. But Hannah, a great person. Let's go ahead and get into the podcast here. People like the dating stories. I haven't had any good dating stories of late. It, mm. I, I'm, still, I'm still on the outside looking in on a good dating story here. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, let's start with Greg Williams. Steve Palzolo. for if you wow. listen to the other podcasts on the PFF Podcast Network, you'll listen to Steve Palzolo and Sam Monson, the NFL Podcast. On that podcast, he said... Greg Williams made the right call. Derek Carr was 0-6 when blitzed, throwing 20-plus yards downfield. He sent the blitz. It was risky. He didn't say it wasn't risky, but it was the right call. Just didn't work out in that situation. I... Exploded. I was recording the podcast. I helped them record the podcast in the mornings. I was like, "Oh my gosh, are you ready to get absolutely murdered on social media?" And the murder has commenced. What's your take? Yeah, officially?
1: I'm sure Greg Williams knew that they were zero for six at that point uh, against the Blitz on th- throws twenty yards downfield. I'm sure he was that was factoring into his decision. No, uh, all the people saying this is what Greg Williams does. No. This is not what Greg Williams does. If that was the Super Bowl and he's back with the Saints and, and there's 13 seconds left and they have no timeouts, then they have to get a touchdown, not a field goal. People are bringing up the Broncos game where they had to, where they had where were. it was a fourth down and he brought the house, he brought a zero blitz. But all they had to do was get a first down and get in a field goal range with like 40 seconds left. It's a completely different scenario where any pass-completed inbounds, the game's over. You're not going to have time to go They had to no timeouts. Yes, they had no timeouts. Any pass-completed inbounds, that's tackled. The game is over. So... Oh god damn it. <laughs> my turn to fuck up this pod with my computer sound. So any pass completed inbounds, the game's over. So you basically want to funnel anything into the field of play. You run either two deep safety and you push guys to the sidelines and stay on top of every single route. But even the plays before that, that is not what they were doing. They let Nelson eglor deep uh, when they were playing quarters. Like, you tell your safeties nothing behind you. You tell everyone nothing behind you because that's the only way you can lose. You run a zero blitz, a pass interference down to the goal line. That's, that's how you lose in that situation. So... Any defensive coordinator at Pop, Warner level, high school, whatever, worth a damn, would never call that. And you saw the ESPN stat that said in the situation that they were in, whatever, Mm -hmm. 2,500 plays have been run over the past 15 years. No one's ever done that. No one's ever brought seven in a situation like that. So were they trying to tank? Probably not. Like, Greg Williams probably doesn't give a fuck if they actually go 0-16 or whatever. Like, he has no active interest in them getting Trevor Lawrence. What he was doing was not giving a shit if they won either. He was going to just do whatever he wanted to do, and that's why he ended up getting fired. Or maybe he wants to make Adam Gaze look bad. I don't know what it is. He's a crazy person. Like everything we've seen from him, that's what it is. But he was not... That was not Greg Williams being Greg Williams. If they actually wanted to win that game, he no one would ever would call that play.
0: Okay, I only have two things to add. I know it's okay. a polarized topic, gets everyone fired up. It's one, not the right call. Steve, it like, was not Steve's the right call. Worst. No, that's that's obvious. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. got fired. He got fired the yeah. next day. <laughs> if it was the right call, he would not be fired right now. I have only a couple things to add there. One, we didn't even bring up the matchup. Undrafted rookie out of Nebraska, Lamar Jackson, ran a 4-5-8 at the yeah. combine, going against Henry Ruggs one-on-one yeah. at the line of scrimmage. That was atrocious. Two. I love that after he was fired, I had to bring this up after he was fired. Ian Rapport tweets out shortly after that Greg William 's son is still on the staff but is expected to depart too it 's just like thinking about like the nepotism in the nfl it 's like you're we sorry. fired your dad uh, i don 't care how good you are you 're probably out as well, <laughs> and your son 's off the team as well i don 't know. I thought that was funny, but yeah i don't i 'm not I hate the people that are saying this was a call from the front office. They made great. I, I, I do think that it was a boneheaded decision. I don't think it was an actual tank job. I think Greg Williams went way too overly aggressive because he didn't care in the situation, like you said, and then gave up a big touchdown. I don't yeah. think it was a call f- from the front office saying, make sure we get Trevor Lawrence and blow this. No, that, that
1: that's too much. Like, it's too far-fetched, in my opinion, yeah. to do that. It's more just, I think, in that scenario— with the team having gone the way they did this year, mm-hmm. Greg Williams said, I could give a fuck like yeah. about what you guys think or what you want. Like I'm I want to put an exclamation point on this game instead of going out just with the if a guy if he would have given up a thirty five yard completion and tackled him in bounds, that would not have made Greg Williams that would not have got the juices flowing Greg Williams. He would not have felt good about that. He wanted to end it with a sack.
0: There you go. All right, we're going to jump into one more storyline, then look at the Maxwell and Benerick Award winners lists. Uh, Jalen Hurts came in for Carson Wentz. I wasn't sure if it was real. I was on the sticks once when Jalen Hurts came in for a snap after uh, Carson Wentz um, was pulled. I thought he was starting. I I tweeted out for the main account, Jalen Hurts is in for the Eagles. No, they pulled him back out. this one. He He actually was in. They actually benched Carson Wentz for Jalen Hurts. And he played moderately well on fourth and eighteen, made that touchdown throw to Greg Ward, had a night. Nice, I thought the nice throw to Jalen Rager down the sideline. I think that was a long third down as well. That looked good. It sparked something for that team yeah, in that my opinion. Nice. There was definitely some emotions sparked. They obviously don't come back and win that game. They lose to the Packers thirty sixteen. Don't overreact to this, please. I'm not asking for an overreaction. i just what You're was not, your opinion you don't think of he's the, the-
1: QB1 the NFC East like George does? I don't
0: think he's point. the quarterback one in the NFC East like George says. I'd be more than happy to give that to Colt McCoy at this point before I give it to Jalen Hurts. But what was your opinion of Jalen Hurts in that small sample size and what should the Eagles do moving forward with Jalen Hurts? A start I mean, Carson Wentz
1: is unplayable at this point. Like his, He's got the yips. The yips, he's got no feel for the pocket. He does not, like, his eyes drop against pressure. He just feels it It's like that. He's just the guy who's played behind great protection his entire career, and all of a sudden things go bad, and he turns them into way worse than they should be. They just is not used to that. He needs to hit reset basically at this point. There's no salvaging this season with him. He is beyond salvaging. He needs an off season to clear his head or whatever. But that that was some of the worst quarterback play I've seen earlier in that game. Like that, the rest of the game leading up to him benching all season long was just. Was just not NFL quarterbacking. Mm-hmm. Like he was not going through his reads. He was not getting to his checkdowns. He was not accurate. Nothing was going well. So that I think I think Hertz was well in, played well enough, and like I said, gave them a spark and add something different element to that offense in terms of what he can do for, as a runner. Had 29 yards on the ground in this one. That I'd give him the shot for the rest of the year. Give him the reins. Can't hurt mm-hmm. uh, his development. Like it wasn't too fast from the game. wasn't too big, but at the same time, he wasn't particularly accurate. Like, he did miss two wide-open throws. Uh, the pick was obviously tipped, but um, he went 5-12 on the game. And on 20 dropbacks, like, he himself was took three sacks, scrambled five times. It was not necessarily great either for him uh, in terms of his ability to find open guys. So I'm not going to say he's QB1 in the NFC East. I, I think it's not going to be great with him in there either. Like he's not going to come in and look no like way. Justin yeah, like that. <laughs> There's
0: no way he comes in and it's going to yeah. be great. Nothing's great in Philadelphia right now, defensively or offensively. My official stance is start Jalen Hurts for the rest of the season. This season is lost. Start him for the rest of the season to see more of what you have in Jalen Hurts. You're not even going to completely see what you have in him. He didn't get a lot of the first-team reps this season. He's coming in under fire on a very banged-up offense with a defense that plays poorly. But see what you do have in him. Put him in situations where he can gain experience. Two, Carson Wentz is bound for positive regression. This is the worst we've seen Carson Wentz play. His baseline is better than this. Steve Palzola has said that. His baseline is better than this. And you are pot-committed to Carson Wentz in a lot of ways. Trading him and that contract is not easy. You're going to likely have him as the starter in 2021. But that shouldn't keep you from seeing what you have in Jalen Hurts. You drafted him in the second round for a reason. See what you have in him. If you see some positive things and it becomes more of a competition in 2021, you benefit from that. If you don't, Carson Wentz comes in as a starter and hopefully can see that positive regression early in the 2021 season with a healthy offensive line, with more weapons at wide receiver, Jalen Rager in year two, and maybe a defense that knows what they're doing.
1: Yeah, like there's just... There's no reason to keep throwing ones out there. Yep. It's getting worse, not better. Mm-hmm. So, yes.
0: All right, let's jump to the Maxwell Award list. It's the best offensive player in college football. What I'm going to do here, Mike, and this is the official say, Maxwell you're list. Gonna, I know you were on the meeting
1: with— I was going to say, you're going to say why we're going to this? Because yes. I'm part of the selection committee. Yes. <laughs> Come on. No, I'm like, That's pretty— smart. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. but uh, I'm also a voter. It's actually kind of uh, the informalness Of kind of how this list is made would blow your minds (laughs) if you saw it. It's just like there's no set number of semifinalists. We kind of just all decided on the call how many we wanted, who we wanted, and that kind of just that was it.
0: I mean, how else would it go? You know, I think it makes sense, but I do think I am a voter, and I'm excited about the list that you did Mm -hmm. select. I'm looking forward to voting on this list. How I'm going to do this is I'm going to read. You just split it up in the doc for me. I was going to read the quarterbacks in a row, and then I was going to look at the running backs and then the pass catchers on the offensive side. I just side. did it. So you got it again. First reading quarterbacks here. It's Mac Jones of Alabama, Kyle Trask of Florida, Zach Wilson, BYU, Trevor Lawrence of Clemson, Dylan Gabriel, UCF, Sam Howell of UNC, Ian Book of Notre Dame, I don't know why, Justin Fields of Ohio State, Derek King of Miami, Grayson McCall of our clears. Our chance of clears. And then Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati sneaking in on the back end here. I think this is Mac Jones and Kyle Trask's award to lose. Both of those guys, I think, are the two of the highest-graded quarterbacks in college football right now. Trevor Lawrence is up there as well, but he did miss a game. I can't see how you two give games. it to anyone else of those three.
1: Yeah, Trevor, I wish – I mean, no COVID, he's in that conversation. Yes. He's probably at the top of it. But, like, missing two games, having lost one of those games – It's difficult to put him above a guy like Mac Jones who just lights out, starts to finish. Yes, it's an easy situation. Yes, he has a ton of talent around him. But about to go undefeated and Mm -hmm. he's going to play some ridiculous he's going to put up some ridiculous stats so yeah unfortunate for lawrence in that scenario
0: but i mean there's still a ton of great names on this zach wilson has been a success story here for byu even in that loss to coastal carolina i believe he earned an 88.0 plus pff passing grade sam howell has played well for unc uh desmond ritter is a a success story in uc as well but i think of the quarterbacks it's a three-man race between mac jones kyle trask and and Trevor Lawrence. With Mac Jones, it's his to lose right now. They're going to go undefeated. They're the number one team in the country. He and Devontae Smith have this connection that is absolutely absurd. With Jalen Waddell out for the season with an angle injury, Devontae Smith has risen to the occasion. I mean, he's going to finish with one of the highest graded seasons we've ever seen from a college football wide receiver. Jumping to the running backs here. And I thought this conversation was interesting. I was overhearing on the selection committee calls behind Eric Eager, who's also on there on the Zoom call. Javante Williams is a guy we're going to stand for. He's the highest graded running back in the country, the UNC running back. He's forcing missed tackles at an absurd rate. But there's also the usual suspects on this list as well: Brees Hall, Najee Harris of Alabama, and then Travis Etienne of Clemson. Of those backs, if you had to give it to a running back, who are you hand this award to? That one's tough, because Etienne
1: has not had a great oppor- Has not had a lot of great opportunities. Like that offensive line is not good. It's kind of there. Look, talking about a weak link on that entire roster, it's that, I mean, you saw how they just got owned by in the Notre Dame game and their loss this year. Like, it was difficult for them. They just couldn't move the ball on the ground. There was no space for ETN to work with. So what he's done as a receiver, he leads all running backs in the country in receiving yards this year. He's the highest graded you know, running back, has the highest receiving grade of all running backs. Like, he's kind of reinvented himself. That was not his game early in his career at Clemson. Now it is. So he's still productive, still fueling that offense to a degree. But of these guys, I still probably, that was tough. I I think Javante has been, in terms of just pure, and it's crazy because Javante and Etienne, I think are the two most talented of those. But Javante and Etienne both disappeared against Notre Dame. They were nothing in that game. Notre Dame's, this, run D is, Notre Dame's run D is good. But they were absolute non-factors in those games. And when you're non-factors in your biggest game. No, Travis Etienne was have, a factor. Could it was have a bad factor. Yeah, exactly. Dude, like, when struggled. you're non-factors in those games, it's just difficult to me to get on board. To me, I don't think the running back position is going to factor into the finalists, the top three uh, in, the, in the Maxwell Award. I would, just, I would venture to guess.
0: There are better pass catchers on this list. The three pass catchers yes. we have. And I say pass catchers I because one of them is technically... A tight end, technically, even though this guy plays more wide receiver than a a lot of tight ends I've seen in recent college football history. Devontae Smith, the Alabama wideout, that is, like I said, on pace to break PFF records. Kyle Pitts, in the same right, is on pace to break some PFF records at the tight end position. And then Ole Miss slot receiver Elijah Moore, who in the beginning of the season, I had that conversation of scheme production, creating, you know, he's getting open against off coverage and zone. But Elijah Moore, week in and week out, is delivering. And I think I'm not going to shy away from these guys that deliver consistently regardless of whether it's in the slot or outside, knowing that Justin Jefferson was one of those types coming out and how well he's performed at LSU. Justin Jefferson, a bit of a different prospect, bigger, whatever it may be. But of those three, I think Devontae Smith would be the guy that you'd have to have the conversation for. But if you're going to give it to Devontae Smith, you probably might as well give it to Mac Jones, the quarterback position. And Kyle Pitts is an absolute monster playing for Florida right now. He could do whatever they want. He plays in the slot. He plays out wide. He plays uh, in line and continues to have success. No one has answers for him. I really like my comp, Darren Waller. Darren Waller, if you watch this game against the New York Jets, was literally unguardable. They put Bryce Hall on him, Marcus May, ja- Javelin Guidry, the undrafted Utah safety. No one could guard him yeah. in man coverage. And I think Kyle Pitts is in a similar boat, similar frame. Athletes that can really make moves after the hey, catch.
1: Give yourself a little more credit for that comp. You just You really like your comp. I get it. Um, I think it's a good comp. I think it's a good comp. <laughs> I will say, I think if anyone, of any of the non-quarterbacks could factor in, Devontae Smith could. Uh, he leads at a NCAA in receiving yards over 1,300 yards in nine games, 4.45 yards per route. But on my list, if I was doing it right now, I would not factor him in. The biggest thing kind of to me is that when Jalen Waddle was on that roster too, Jalen Waddle was the clear number one. Mm-hmm. I'll produce him in all three games that he was there. It's like you were the second best receiver on your own team when the other guy was healthy. Uh, that, that shouldn't like take away from it, but just kind of in my eyes, I'm like maybe just that Alabama offense is a little too much for teams at this point.
0: Yeah. I think that's fair. I think it's a fair battle there. Devontae Smith so, though is rising up boards. Yeah, I, I mean he's he's producing so consistently. I mean it, it'd be hard to think this guy doesn't make it inside. You know the first twenty five picks come April. So um, then
1: who would be your finalists for the Maxwell? Because
0: my finalists for the Maxwell in order would be Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, and then Trevor Lawrence. I'm not giving it to a running back or a pass catcher. It's it's the best quarterback of those three, and I think. Mac Jones has the lead right now, and if he continues to have the season he does, goes undefeated, wins the championship, I mean, this is this is obvious. I had
1: a different list, and I'm going to tra- transition after thinking about it a little more. I had Zach Wilson, but now I'm going to go Mac Jones, Cal Trask, and Trevor Lawrence as well. I, I okay. think that is the clear top tier. I mean, Zach Wilson Zach just lost to just chance, lost to clears. To chance to clears. And even though he didn't play poorly in the game, he didn't rise to the occasion. Trevor Lawrence would rise to the occasion if he would have not had COVID.
0: DJ Uangalele rises to the occasion against the Chanticleers. Okay? That was a big letdown spot for um, our guy, Zach Wilson of BYU. All right, let's jump to the defense side of the ball now, the Bednarik Award list. This one, there's a ton of names here. So might- this one's tough
1: because yeah. defense has been scarce in college football. Uh, it's pretty much the only the pl- people too. playing defense are like group of five teams are the only ones really playing defense nowadays. Mm-hmm. It seems. I mean, like, I have actual good defenses.
0: All right. I'm just going to read through here. We got Rashad Weaver, edge defender Pitt, Teron Jackson, Patrick Jones, Jalen Phillips, Zayvon Collins of Give Tulsa. some schools for these guys.
1: Teron Jackson, Coast Carolina, Patrick Jones, Pitt, Jalen Phillips, Miami.
0: Zayvon Collins, Tulsa, Joseph Asai, Texas, Nick Bolton, the linebacker for Missouri, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa of Notre Dame, Patrick Sutan of Alabama, Majay Sanders, who on the call, I know you stand for, the Cincinnati Edge defender, Same. making Queen City proud, Majay Sanders, Aziz Ojulari of Alabama, not Alabama, Georgia, John Radigan, who is Maxwell, Maxwell Selection Committee is a big fan of this guy, yeah. the Army linebacker, John Radigan, Justin Rice. I don't even know what school Justin Rice goes to.
1: Justin Rex Fresno State. That's right. No, oh, we no. no. so just... Transfer from Fresno yeah, State to Arkansas State. State. Excuse me.
0: Arkansas State. Sherman Gene Charles. Kyle Hamilton of Notre Dame. Richie At, Grant. Appalachian State. From Richie Sherman Grant State. of UCF. Trayvon Morg of TCU. And then Davion Nixon of... Iowa. Iowa. See, I don't even know some of these guys. So I they, This
1: is a statistic-driven award and a uh, narrative-driven award. So mm-hmm. if you're having... Uh, you're a guy like John Radigan. You're playing well at Army, and they have a good defense this year. You'll get in, even though John he's Radigan He's one of the
0: highest-graded linebackers.
1: Not a, yeah, not, maybe he's not also the troops. Prospect. Yeah, yeah well, so we support the troops at the, the Benaric Ward.
0: Well, of these guys, I, I think if you were going to give it to one, my favorite on this one is Zaven Collins of Tulsa. Talk about narrative-driven. We've already had this conversation before. He's from Hominy, Oklahoma, has fewer kids— has fewer people in the city than my high school had— in mm-hmm. California, and he's just been an absolute monster for Tulsa. Had that game-winning interception in, what, I think OT. I mean, you have that, yep. that kind, those kind of simple statistics on your arsenal. I think Zaven Collins, the Tulsa linebacker. Some people are mocking him awesome. in the first round. I'm not there yet. I'm not there for Zaven Collins in the first round just yet. I still but can get on board in the right scheme. I do think Zaven Collins is a really, really talented linebacker and has easily been the best football player in every game Tulsa's played. Not yeah. on his side. On every game Tulsa's played, yeah. he's been that best football player.
1: Yeah. I think he has to be a finalist just with how he's played this year. Obviously this weekend's game against Cincinnati in the championship of the Comps USA, big um for his draft stock for his hopes of winning the Beneric Award. But I think you gotta lean the Notre Dame guys in this. Jeremiah Luis Carmo, Kyle Hamilton, best defense in the country. You gotta give it to one of them, right?
0: I don't think so. I don't I know. think so. I I, I think I would still lean Zayvon Collins, but I could see nope. Notre Dame. Because it's narrative-driven, America loves Notre Dame. I mean, it's on NBC. Their home games are on NBC. Everyone watches yeah. Notre Dame. I could see Jeremiah owusu making this list. I think right now my finalist of these guys is Zaven Collins, Patrick Sertan, the Alabama outside corner. And then just because I hate the Golden Domers and all that they represent, I went Aziz Ajulari, who has had a really, really big season for Georgia and has played well. Massive riser, massive improvement year over year.
1: Uh, no, uh, that's just the wrong take. I, I disagree. <laughs> But I will say Patrick Sertan does deserve some love. Uh, Alabama, they just don't throw
0: enough. at him.
1: Yeah, they don't throw at him. 14 catches allowed, 156 yards all year on 36 targets. That's that's pretty damn good. Less than five yards a target there, uh, and then just over four yards target, and then a pick, six pass breakups. Like he's been pretty much as advertised there.
0: Yep. All right, shall we jump into the weekly review here? Did not the, I like when we start the podcast and we don't do a ton of instant review. You know, week, single sample review here is not what we need. We yeah, gotta, we're not
1: a small sample size company, so focusing on the small sample size is we're trying to get away from it. Yeah, it's it. like this calling Jalen
0: Hurts the best quarterback in the NFC East after just a couple throws. Well, easy there. Shots <laughs> fired. Before we jump into that, let's go ahead and take a quick break. 2 4 Drafts is brought to you by PristineAuction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. Signed helmets, balls, jerseys, and much more. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcast. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week. And sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field, too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. Season. Moose Fit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create a custom program for you. No two programs are the same. MooseFit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts that will help you reach reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.co.com.co. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But However difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Rolling Rooks. We name this segment after Rolling Rocks, which, if you're unfamiliar with those beers, congratulations. Don't yeah, I was say don't familiarize. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. I mean, that's a, that's a, you're in a really good spot in life. Rolling Rocks are like an absolute garbage, trash beer. I feel like it's a common dating question. What's your favorite go-to trash beer? You've got me on the Miller Lights. I used to be a Coors Light guy, a Bud Light guy. Miller Lights is my new trash beer, but I also don't hate PBRs. Only a trash beers. You're gonna disrespect Natty Light. Natty Light's trash, Mike. I can't.
1: I'm not. Wait. I was a Keystone. Everyone, you know, it's either Keystone or Natty in college. I was Keystone guy. Keystone? Yeah, Keystone. It's smoother. Natty.
0: All right, let's let's jump into our aftertaste. rolling rooks here. Rolling okay. rocks, rolling rooks. Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas yeah, Andrew of Thomas. Georgia actually had, like, an insane game. He was the highest-graded rookie on the offensive side of the ball this past week. Absolute monster in the run game. He was playing with confidence. OT1, a, we were never wrong. <laughs> but honestly, he was playing with confidence okay. in the run game I haven't seen yet. I mean, he was, like, bullying kids Very against good. Seattle. I was, I was super excited when he was going to the second level, making plays, at, you know, sprung wing Gallman, loose a handful of times, uh, and kept a clean sheet and pass protection. He's a corner has been turned.
1: Like it is very evident if you go and watch the tape. Like he looks like a different player than he did early on in the season. Looks far more comfortable. uh Someone asked me this in the mailbag last week. uh If there's some examples on tape that I put in there, it's go and watch it if you have, or go read that. Watch it if you haven't. But the biggest thing is just his punch timing and his. And we kind of said it when we were talking about his struggles. Just he was so over anxious. He was flying out of his stance trying to get depth, and then he was sh- sh- shooting his hands quickly trying to get that punch in. Like He just was so overhyped, just, like I said, over anxious. And now you see far more patient. The timing, these, the control he's playing with, far different from early on in the season. And he was a, always a freak athlete. He was incredibly powerful at 6'5", 320. Like the physical tools were right up there with all the other guys, all those other elite tackles in this draft class. And I think you're finally seeing that. Yes, he's going up against Seattle in a pretty shitty pass rush, pretty shitty defensive line. Like He's going up against a fellow rookie in Alton Robinson, who like he's going up against a guy he who going Ger- up against He also gave
0: Jared Reed the business. Yeah, he was giving
1: Jared Reed the business, but like he took Alton Robinson five yards off the ball on a base block. That one-on-one does not happen a lot. You're seeing that he really was like all those guys at the top were special athletes, and so like he was in that conversation despite playing like – ass early in the season i think it really the past five games have been as high as five pass blocking games so far on the season a corner has been turned with andrew thomas great game for him this week
0: you just love to see that jumping to uh i don't know if a corner has been turned for him but this was really good tape for Cam Dansler. yeah outside cornerback for minnesota um in this game i think he stayed stayed in phase a ton here I, I also thought so something that won't so he only allowed one reception for what three yards in this game but what doesn't get counted in that is he did give up a two-point conversion to Colin Johnson. I talked to Ben Stockwell about it. That's not going to show up because those don't show up in normal box score stats. If you allow a pressure yeah. or a touchdown or, I guess, a conversion in those situations, those are technically no plays, yeah. and they don't get counted into your box score. So we did allow that, but looked really good against Chark. And I, I, the strip of Chris Conley was fantastic, a really, really good strip for him, but I have a funny story of that. Eric Eager is a degenerate bettor. Yeah. Eric Eager was betting hard the Jacksonville Jaguars to cover that number against Minnesota. And Eric, when he's sweating his bets, has the funniest takes because he always leans the way of his bet, and he's like, "Chris Conley never had control." I was like, "Dude, that was mm. the clearest fumble oh, I yeah, ever It turns seen. into
1: just like pure, <laughs> yeah, un- it's so unobjective. Funny. So
0: like, we we'll always make jokes upstairs when we're watching the games. Like, was that OPI? I had to <laughs> be OPI. It's like, dude, it's it's so funny. But yeah, <laughs> that uh, that strip of Conley was also really good. Um,
1: I mean, the yeah. needle, one of the best stat lines, one of the best nicknames first, and then one of the best stat lines of any cornerback all season. One of seven targets, three yards, a pick. Force fumble, fumble recovery. That and was the pick was amazing. dope too. It came down was, on that pretty yeah, nicely. Like he stole it mm-hmm. away from it. Might as well have been like a force fumble. Like he just took the ball. So yeah, Cameron Danceler. I, 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 I was on Matthew Collar's show, uh, one of the great Vikings writers, earlier this season. He's like, What do you want to see? Obviously, Gladney and Danceler were struggling. What do you want to see from Rookie Corner to like feel good about them? I said, You want to see plays like on the ball. If a guy's making plays on the ball, consistently early on his career that means he's at least seeing the game right sometimes like he's at least like close and then that'll I think snowball as the years go on so a guy like Cameron Dantzler having a game like this seeing plays like he has had his first pass break up the week before a pick this week seeing highlights like that like I think that's what you want to feel comfortable I, you know if he's if he makes these plays towards the end of the season I'm feeling far more comfortable going into 2021 20, with him as starter uh, than if he just kind of has never done much in terms of ball production
0: someone I do think is turning the corner is the next guy on this list and it's running back Jonathan Taylor the the did, he, did he listen fan. to
1: our pod when we said he was
0: exactly watched. you had that you had that take that I'd start to be worried about Jonathan Taylor and those in the two games since then he's had over 90 rushing yards in both games he's had Six runs of ten plus yards and forced nine tack, forced nine missed tackles. He has seventeen on the year and he's forced nine in the past two games. I know he's He'd broken well. more since the two
1: games since that that he did in the previous what was it ten <laughs> games before I said that.
0: And I think and I think it comes back to the same stuff that we're talking about with Dancer and Thomas. He's playing with more confidence, and when you have the skill set of a Taylor, a Dancer, a Thomas, and you start to play with confidence in your rookie season, you start to have games like these. And I think that comfortability is not it's not just. Flipping the switch, you know, gaining confidence and comfortability in the NFL comes with really good coaching, development, all that type of stuff, tape study, all of that. (laughs) I think, Jonathan Taylor, you're seeing exactly that. And uh, the Colts are reaping the benefits here. They're going to be in the playoffs. they got a big game against the Las Vegas Raiders upcoming here. They win that game. Their chances go up. Steve Kornacki is going to be all about it. Uh, That segment, by the way, fantastic. Fueled by PFF's playoff predictions Yeah, he brought us up. Yep. Eric Eager and George Curry worked hard on that right before – the, um, the preview and halftime show with Steve Kornacki. But Jonathan Taylor looking very good of late. Yeah, that's like this is what we expected.
1: Mm-hmm. When you're going up against a bad run defense like the Texans and he has some room to work, you expect big plays and consistently to find those holes. And that that's what he did this past weekend. So, All
0: right, two more names here. Let's move quickly. Justin Jefferson beat the brakes off Luke Barku, former San Diego State corner. There was a handful of reps where Barku was in phase and just got beat at the catch point, which is not great. But then there was that one rep where it was a really good play design, but also really good execution from Jefferson, where he does the in-breaking route and then cuts back outside um, on the touchdown. Barku never had a chance. Like, the outside leverage he had, all that stuff with Jefferson, the head nods, the speed variation, like... He is creating separation at outside receiver and better than we saw at LSU in 2018 and 2019. Yeah. And it is, he eats cushion really well. I love his work against off coverage. When when he's playing guys physically, you don't see that separation at times. But against off coverage, he is moving people with his head, moving people with speed variation. And it's why he's going to probably finish this year with the second best rookie receiving grade we've ever seen from a rookie receiver since Odell Beckham Jr. in 2014. Yeah. That's how good Justin Jefferson has been.
1: Yeah, and... and Jefferson threw twelve games, so Odell obviously started the season hurt. I think missed the first four games that year. To twelve games is a hundred more yards than anyone we've seen through his first twelve games since we started grading 0- 06. So it's it, like it's not just like oh he's good for a rookie. It's like oh he's good for the entire NFL. Yeah, point.
0: some people are saying All Pro worthy. Maybe eh. Pro Bowl for sure. Yeah, it's yeah just Pro Bowl for driven
1: sure. by family. All Pros. What you get two or three wide receivers in the All Pro? It's like is he. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. You're no. going to take him over that? Absolutely yeah, not. I don't think so. All
0: right, last guy. and I'm glad you brought this guy up because he had some fantastic reps against the Chargers uh, offensive line. Josh Uche, the former Michigan edge defender, now playing kind of that hybrid role for the New England Patriots mm-hmm. defense. There's One of the first plays that he has really a lot of success on, beats the left tackle, beats the brakes off him on the outside move. And then... Go
1: ahead. I was going to say, this has to come with caveat that that left tackle was Storm Norton.
0: Yeah. He also got benched in that game. <laughs> Storm Norton's like a
1: UDFA out of Toledo
0: a few years ago. It was just like... It was still hilarious tape. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, he beats Storm Norton, and I think Storm Norton ends up getting benched in that game because another left tackle came in when I was watching the Oswego twenty two, There's another rep where Forrest Lamp has no idea what he's doing. It doesn't look like he understands like the cu- the protection. <sighs> Forrest Lamp. I, like, he just puts one hand on him yeah. but is looking for someone else. But there's no linebacker over his gap. Yeah. And then Josh Uchi makes just another done. play on the on, on Justin Herbert.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, the charge O-line was a mess. But Uchi, I mean, he had some one-on-one wins. Choose. And he's good for that defense because of what he can do on stunts. Like, they were stunting them and slanting them to death in that game. Goodwill uh, stunting. uh, You like that? Mm. It's it's all right. Um, (laughs) Don't ever say it again. though. But but he's he's quick to get home, and he has that bend and that quickness. Uh, And, yes, he's undersized. He's not going to be your pure one-on-one guy all the time. Well, like I said, in that defense, that's what they look for. And he got home on, I think, two stunts in that game. So, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, it looks good. At the speed and the athleticism you see very, very quickly with Josh Uche. Even on stunts and stuff where you're kind of getting, you're putting yourself in a more advantageous situation than a pure one-on-one, but you're seeing him get home because he has that speed. Uh, better than Caleb on chase on, who we liked a lot for his stunting ability and his athleticism, Buddy Jausucci is hitting home really nicely against that Chargers offensive line. I would encourage everyone to go back and watch that tape; it was fun. Um, prospect performances, some of the best ones from this past week. Start me off with Jack Anderson, the right guard for Texas Tech.
1: Yeah, so he wasn't really on my radar, but I uh, at the next day he declared for the NFL draft. So I was like, oh, a guard's declaring early for the NFL draft. Let's go back and watch this guy. Um, I liked what I saw. Uh, he was going up against Kansas, obviously uh, not. The greatest defensive line. You're gonna have to. He obviously graded out really well uh, against Kansas, but he's graded out well all season long. And actually, he's a four year starter. He's graded out well in pass protection for Texas Tech for four years now. So he's been pretty solid in that regard. I think he's kind of he's got that nastiness you like at guard. Like he's gonna get called for his fair share of holding penalties at the next level. He just would not let guys go. But this season, uh, only allowed seven total pressures on 459 pass blocking snaps for Texas Tech. I think he's kind of from having gone back and watched a good deal of his tape now, probably a fringe day two guy, but I liked what I saw uh, from him at this point. So him declaring early, like that's a, he's, a, he's just another name to watch. What I think is a pretty solid interior offensive
0: line class. Safety Trayvon MORG, the TCU safety that you were really high on going into this year, both TCU safeties Trayvon yeah. MORG and Ardarius Washington. Morick is just making big plays and big-time moments. And when you have those moments at safety, you're in one of the highest coverage grades on the week this yeah. past week. Had that big, deep, and towards the right pylon where he outstretches to make the PBU. That was the more impressive play than the pick on the end line, in my opinion. Yeah, The pick so- on the end line was uh, off a batted pass from Mar-Darius Washington. But he's making plays all day long in that TCU defense. They really do – he does a lot of creative things there and has the speed and athleticism to hit home and some of that vision head start, that anticipatory movement I, that uh, I, I'm a huge that, fan
1: that's of. That's banned on the podcast, that term. <laughs> You know this, um, but yeah, this past week he go, going up against Oklahoma State. The player you're talking about is a corner out where he's playing uh, quarters coverage, and he just gets a free release on a corner out against him, which is a bad situation to be in as a, as a safety. You need you need a bump when a guy guy's come from the slot. So true. You you need some sort of you need someone to slow him down. A guy coming with a free release bearing down on you uh, on the slot means he can go anywhere in that coverage he can go post he can go straight seam go he can go corner route and you have to guard, be able to guard all of those that is a tough place to be in and he got a corner route and was right there stride for stride with it that's what you love to see he has been now he has eight pass breakups this year leads all safeties in college football 12 pass breakups last year led all safeties in college football he's six two two zero two. 202 he made bruce feldman's freaks list I think this guy is probably gonna end up like mid first round, like oh, mid wow. round one. I, I think the NFL is gonna see him that highly because of the physical tools. Just because you flip on this tape and he's making plays week after week, very solid tackler, uh, and the and has the size, the length that you want at that position to be a versatile type of safety. Now they they play a lot of split field stuff there. Like you haven't seen him in a super diverse role, but yeah, I think this guy is gonna be. Uh, compared to like safeties in recent memory that have gone round one I I think he's going to be right up there with them
0: nice man that's awesome um defensive interior for Alabama Christian Barmore a guy we highlighted as a breakout candidate this year has had an up and upper season he hasn't been bad this year but he's had like some really good games but then some fantastic games like this past week I think he had the highest PFF pass rushing grade of any defensive player with more than 20 pass rush Mm -hmm. snaps on the week just tearing it up on the interior for Alabama that team is just it's stacked. Yeah. Top to bottom, it's got so much talent every single year, and is just next in line.
1: Yeah, so they're not, they're not, one, running him into the ground too much. Like, he's, he hasn't played Unlike a of snaps. Unlike previous years. <laughs> yeah, like the 296 snaps, like, they're blowing teams out, and he's not playing the whole second half in a lot of games. So, but he has a higher grade, pass rushing grade this year, 89.6. He has been impactful this past week against LSU uh four pressures 91.2 pass rushing grade and another thing they're doing a lot of at alabama this year because i don't think they have i don't think they, i think they know they don't have the kind of the talent to win one-on-one across the board like they maybe have had in recent years with like a bunch of nflers on the edge and whatnot they're stunting slanting they're doing a lot more games up front so he's not getting as many one-on-ones to win but I think when he does, you still see it. Like he went one on one against a tackle off the edge this week, and he won. He has that uh, just that versatile skill set at six five three ten. I think he's still. Or I think he's pretty clearly at this point DT one because it's a very weak defensive tackle class. Mm-hmm. Like
0: Marvin it, Wilson did not take that step.
1: There might there might only be he might be the only first rounder in this entire defensive tackle class. So wow. Uh, but I do think he still ends up in the first round if he declares. He's he's got that level of physical tools, and and he's going to be a guy who I think once you get to the playoff, I, I think you're going to see him like he's going to be that guy making the splash plays for them.
0: This is a little bit of a pivot, but it brought you know, and
1: he's not going to be coming off the field for
0: whatever reason. Barmore winning at tackle uh, or against tackle. Cleveland Furl actually had a really good game for the Raiders this past week. Went up against Micah Beck beat him for a strip sack. Then had uh, on, a, on those senior guys. You can't give up. What? Second-year guys. He I can't love, him you love bringing him up. Guys. No, but I was watching he's, Mekhi Becton, and he either. had a good game as a run blocker, was dominating as a run blocker, but it was one of his lowest-ranked pass-blocking grades. That's and I feeling. wanted to see, against the Raiders, who was who was making plays. And Cleveland Furrell is actually getting it in there. So uh, good kudos to Cleveland Furrell improving in his second year. Last segment of the Monday podcast here, it's going to be the fake ID segment, yep. bringing up Ohio State's Zach Harrison. Talk yeah. to me.
1: He's a dude. I mean, he's like 6'5", 265 basically just the next in line for Ohio State of that freaky edge rusher. Actually, 6'6 list that. Uh, he's a sophomore this year. He's already got a 88.5 overall grade. He gets Michigan State's past week, four pressures. Um, yeah, just like expect him in the top 10 next yeah. year, basically. <laughs>
0: What's your opinion of Haskell Garrett?
1: I haven't watched enough of
0: Dude, him. I, I think he's legit. I, I, I mean, he pops up on tape a lot of the time when I'm watching Ohio State because I bet mm-hmm. them all the time. Um, I do think that he is making some plays similar to what we saw from Draymond Jones on the interior for Ohio State, winning quickly at the line of scrimmage. I uh, want
1: to go to OSU this weekend for the game. Huh? OSU this weekend for the game. You want to go? Should we? we should I, think, go. I don't hate it. Should we take two-for-one drafts? Should we do a pod from?
0: Two-for-one drafts from Columbus? Yeah. I don't hate it, man. I don't hate it. Quinn, what's your thoughts? Uh, so I actually have a friend who has like a tailgate bus up in Columbus. Should we? Let's get the cameras. Says- <laughs> we'll text George. We'll say, hey, George, we're taking a business trip. the road this yeah. trip, and uh, we'll see how it goes. No, I, I already got on, COVID. I can't get it again. You already got COVID. You can't get it again. And if I think you can be immune adjacent, I think that's some. I saw. Uh, I'll, I'll stand in front I mean, of you no matter where we go. What? I'll stand in front of you. Perfect. You Perfect. It. Can't lose. Um, well, that's going to do it for the Monday episode of Two for One Drafts. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you find your podcast. Until next time, Asa Gale, Mike Renner, Two for One Drafts.